It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Right, welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast, uh, first show of 2024. Here we are. Charlie, we left all our listeners on a bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> Halfway through 87. <laughs> Halfway through 1987. We're here to do the second half today. Well, yeah, we, we did, talked about the end of the season. Yeah, we have. We? Yeah. yeah. So we, we apologise. We had planned to finish that last year and we just, just we got we just got bogged got down, down with work and life. It was a busy, end to, the, busy end to the year. It was, but here we are in a new, a new year. Yep. Um, we what are we about a month away from the, the season yeah. starting? Everyone's still so full of hope about what so, could be yep. for all our yep. clubs this year. It's a great time. <laughs> it's a great time for everyone. It is. Um, before we get started, a few little bits and pieces. One, I know the end of most years we've done a best of team. Yes. For the year, but we because we did a different format last year, we didn't obviously do that. So no, and we sort of um, and we I think we covered three years of the eighties, yeah, so, so we couldn't really make a team of Essendon players no. who dominated in the eighties. No, exactly. I mean, we well, I mean, you might have liked yeah. to. But yeah, we're probably not covering enough enough time to make it a worthwhile thing. No. Like it might be every two years or something. We yeah. Do now. Yeah. So, so that's that, always I always love the the uh, the fights that we end up having about yes. that. Yes, no, they're fun. It's they're fun discussions. Um, we just want to talk about. Um, so we talked about the Brisbane Bears last year. Yeah. Um, and I. I I promise Brendan Campbell, who is the, the the Brisbane Lions historian, I promise we'll give a shout out. He's looking for photos of some ex-players, um, some really obscure players. That he's about a hundred photos off completing the entire collection of VFL players for Fitzroy. Oh, fantastic! Um, so he's looking for a few. Look, I'll try and put the list up somewhere, but um, he's after a few more, and he'd love any help he can get. Well, so. yeah, that's it. If you listen to this, you're obviously into your football history. So if you know of anyone or if you're connected to anyone at any clubs then yeah that'd be yeah he's, he's working hard on it but yeah um and yeah and i guess the other news I'm, I'm trying to push ahead on this brisbane bears stuff yeah of course so it's exciting if any listeners out there have brisbane bears memorabilia or stories or things and want to help me out that'd be great um slowly chugging along through that and i'll talk a bit more about that when i get a chance thank you to cole hutchinson i got to go to afl house in the holidays and, and have a look through all the archives and stuff. That was good fun. Brilliant. As it always is. So good. Um, but yeah, let's get back into 1987, Charlie. I know we've, we've spoken about the end. We know the teams that make it, but we still need to go through their seasons. Yes, that's right. So we probably do need to go back and give a little bit of a recap, seeing <laughs> it's been a never, while. Yeah. So in 87, we've already talked about the teams who did not make finals, which from the bottom of the ladder, 14th spot to 6th spot, were Richmond, the Bears, Collingwood... Fitzroy, St Kilda, Essendon, West Coast, Footscray, and Geelong. Yeah. So those are our those are our non finalists. So now we move into our finalists, which to me include at number five, Melbourne. 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 I so, mean, if you stopped listening in the sixties and jumped here, that's pretty normal. But these yeah. had not been in finals since nineteen sixty four. Yeah, it's been a while, right? So um, this year, as as has been the case the last couple of years, coached by Swoopinordi and captained by Robbie Flower in his finals and his first finals um, appearance. Yeah. Right. Some big debutants as well. 
El Spalding, Warren Dean, Bradley Sparks, but two we definitely you need to definitely talk about. Come on, Todd Viney and Jim Steins. Oh, you've just taken me back to my childhood, buddy. Love it. <laughs> so let's start with Jimmy Steins, no, the big number eleven. Uh, born in Dublin, Ireland, to a Roman Catholic family, and the eldest son of Brian and Teresa Steins. He grew up in Rath Rathfarnham. Uh, his first exposure to Aussie rules was watching the 1980 film The Club hmm. on television. I've never seen it. No, net. Well, not I haven't either the whole way through. Um, Steins represented Dublin in 84 at the age of 18 and was on Dublin's winning side in the All-Ireland Minor Football Championship. In 84 as well, he responded to an ad in his local paper placed by the Melbourne Football Club that offered two scholarships with all expenses paid to play AFL. Or Australian rules football, I should say. Because AFL's a league. Yes. And not, yeah. And attend university in Victoria, Australia. Uh, applicants were required to be under 18, over 183 centimetres, and at county standard. There you go. And we know what happened. We know what the, the, this great man became. And then we have Todd Viney. Uh, as a youngster, Viney was a talented tennis player and held an Australian Institute of Sports scholarship from 83 to 84. At 18, he decided, though, to switch and pursue a footballing career. He was a recruit from Sturt in the Sandful. Yeah, there we go. Um, geez, he would have been terrifying on the tennis court too. Imagine, <laughs> but yeah. Was he as angry as his son is? Uh, I don't remember him being so, but... There was definitely... Yeah. Bit of aggression? He's hard. Okay. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, all right. Shout out to Demon Wiki, who a lot of information, very good resource. So, as the league entered the new era, 1987, remember we had new teams coming in. Yes. Uh, Melbourne returned to their original dark blue colours. The decision to drop the electric blue uniforms that had been worn since 1975 was made before the 86 season actually began. They ordered lighter, tighter fitting jumpers, but when they arrived shortly before the first night game, it was discovered they didn't fit. Tailors were called in to unpick numbers on the jersey so they could swap to fit players. It was yet another round one win at the start of the season, but this time there was a more subdued feeling in the rooms after the game. So we should probably just check who they've beaten in round one, shouldn't we? What are we, 87? So if you remember 86, they won the first game and they were like pumped up. Yep. This year they beat, beat Fitzroy by 39 points at the MCG, but kept things under wraps. Um, perhaps everyone had finally learned that a win in the first week meant nothing after yeah, numerous exactly. first up wins in recent years had gone nowhere. Um, so like we were doing last year, I'm not going to go through in detail too no. much stuff. I'm just going to try to skim through their season, pick out the good parts. Round four, despite Lockett trying to will the Saints to victory, the D's earned their second win of the year against the Saints. Round six was their third game in seven days after their Panasonic Cup win. And this time they took care of the Tigers by 41 points. Sean Wright had a great highlight in this match. Did we talk about the Panasonic Cup? Uh, yes. Yes, we, we did. did. Cool. Yes. Uh, with back to back wins over the Pies, inspired by Robbie Flower returning from injury to kick six goals for the Demons, who led at every change, change and controlled all but seven minutes of the game. Danny Hughes beat Brian Taylor so comprehensively that the Collingwood full forward lost the plot and found himself reported. When Hughes won a free kick against him, a bloodied Taylor charged the Melbourne player, caused another free kick to be awarded down the ground. Oh, God. Um, the Dees were unable to string two wins together all season and it appeared that after a round 17 loss to St Kilda, it would consign Melbourne to another year outside the final five. Even when they finally racked up two wins in a row after beating the, Lions, the Brisbane Bears and Richmond, it still looked as if they'd left their run too late and would have to go back and focus on a crack at the finals in 88. However, with two more wins taking the streak to four in a row, 
They went into round 22 with a chance of breaking a 23-year hoodoo as long as they could beat Footscray and Hawthorne defeated the Cats. And the rest is history, Charlie. We know exactly it what happened. certainly is. Um, so the D's there. And, and I don't know if I meant... I didn't mention it there, but um, you kind of did Robbie Flower announcing his retirement. Yes. This is going to be his last this season. This is going to be the last year. And he finished strong. Do it for your skipper. Yeah, that's right. He finished strong. He was the lead goal kicker uh, for Melbourne that year with 47 and the Bluey Truscott Award in 87 went to Stephen Stretch. Yeah. He had, does he have Billy? Billy Stretch? Billy Stretch, yeah. Does he, he still play? Yeah, no? Good question. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that takes us up the ladder to fourth spot where we have North Melbourne City. So North Melbourne this year with uh, 13 wins, 8 losses and a draw. Quite a low percentage, 99.4. So when they got beaten, they were coached by John Kennedy Senior and captained by Shimmer. He must be coming to the end of his career as well, Shimmer. Yes, he's been he's been captain for a long time. (laughs) So yeah. Um, All right. So some debutants include Dale Holmes, Dean McRae, Paul Bryce. Um, Robert Kerr is another one and two others Brett Allison who I always remember wearing long sleeves oh yeah uh, and Sean Smith who played for the Demons played later the on Deeds, I, didn't real, I did not realise he played for the Kangaroos no neither did I he played six seasons there not 87 to 92 wow yeah couldn't really string more than a few games together but there okay. you go they, I, yeah I didn't realise that either um, all right, so North were well beaten by the Bears in the opening round. We talked about that last week. We did. Last, not last week, last time. Um, in round one at the MCG. But they bounced back to open their account in round two against the Demons by 33 points. Round four, they had a nine-point win over the Cats at Cardinia in a high-scoring game. The Cracker Brothers in excellent form. Wins against the Saints, Dogs, Tigers and Swans in Sydney had them inside the top five after ten rounds and clicking along nicely. Uh, in round 13, they played in awful conditions against the Pies at Waverley. And they held the Pies scoreless in the first quarter as they led by 27. Collingwood kicked only two goals six for the whole match. The lowest score by any team since 1968. Brian Taylor kicked their only two goals in the first few minutes of the second quarter. Oh my God. The Kangaroos ran out 54 point winners. It gets better. The Kangaroos beat them across the board with the Pies under 19s, reserves, and seniors combining for a round 13 score of four goals 17. Oh. <laughs> which had the media back on script. <laughs> um, they won a two-point thriller over the Ds at the MCG. With five minutes to go, scores were level, but when Danny Hughes snuck forward to goal in the 26th minute, it looked like the Ds were home. But North Melbourne went forward for two points, and with the last kick before the siren, Clarkson, Alistair Clarkson, outmarked Robin White and held the nerve to convert and win the match for North Melbourne. They beat the Lions in round 16, the Eagles at the Wacker in round 19, and the Tigers in round 21, and they almost got over the line against the Blues in the final round if it wasn't for a Stephen Kerner hand after the siren goal. Mm. Otherwise, they would have finished top two, top three, I think. Yeah. Um, And there's... I think I'll talk about it later on, but there's a very significant match in London against Carlton they have this year as well, but we'll talk about that after the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the lead goal kicker for North Melbourne this year was Phil Cracker with 43. Jim Cracker second on that list with 31. Um, and the Sid Barker medal in 87 went to Matthew Larkin for the second time. Nice. Yeah. 
Uh, so that leads us up to third place, which was Sydney, sitting on 15 wins, 7 losses, uh, and 129.5%. Oh, and there's a good reason for that. Oh, we'll let's talk about that in a second. So uh, Sydney this year were captained by uh, Dennis Carroll and coached by Tommy Hafey. Yeah, yeah. All right. Some debutants include Leon Higgins, Matthew Lloyd, different Matthew Lloyd, uh, and Wayne Henwood. Nice. Yeah. So, 1987 for the Swans, though, was a big year. A very good, a very good year. Um, a great way to open the season. They travelled to Victoria Park and they embarrassed the Pies by 91 points. God, that's a good way to start any season, Warwick, isn't it? Warwick Kappa kicked nine. Barry Mitchell and Jared Healy were running riot. Oof. Then they had a 108-point win at home against the Dogs. Um, Greg Williams and Jared Healy with 38 disposals each. Oh, my God. Huge. They had a win over the Eagles before the Bombers finally beat them at Windy Hill, but they would get revenge for this. They had wins over the Tigers by 20. They were allowed by... Followed by two important wins over the Blues by seven and the Hawks by eight, which saw them top of the ladder. Uh, they had a three-game losing streak before the Swans got out on a bit of a roll, beating the Bears in round 11 by 73, the Demons in Melbourne by 36, the Saints by 59 at the SCG, the Pies again by 27, the Dogs at Waverley by 33 points. But the, the, the games I want to talk about are between round 16 and 18. Okay. Why is that, Tim? Good. That's a very good point. I just need to get up a document here <laughs> to help explain it because it is very, very impressive. And it's... this is this is huge from a team who uh, you know have just just moved. They're feeling you know they've had some. They're still still going through a bit of um, stuff off field, aren't they? So they're trying to figure oh, yeah, it absolutely. all out. Yeah, yeah, off the field, they're an they're an absolute mess. basket case. Yeah. So those rounds. So round. Can I say round sixteen? 16. Um, so, they welcomed, I believe it's Essendon to the SCG. Nope. Uh, no, West Coast, sorry. On a Sunday afternoon, the SCG, they won that game by a whopping 130 points, scoring themselves 30 goals, 21, uh, and winning, yeah, 30, 100, 200. 201 to 71. Jeez. Yeah. Stats for that game, we had Stephen Wright kicking eight and Warwick Kappa kicking five. Uh, Stephen Wright being one of the players who played for South Melbourne and was kind of in his last throws as a yep. Swans player. Hey, nice big old fat percentage boosting. Mm, yeah, win. absolutely. Got to be happy with that. Yeah, they kicked four goals in the first, seven goals in the second, twelve goals in the third quarter, and uh, seven in the last quarter to finish off. Yeah, very nice score. Uh, that was round sixteen. Round seventeen, they welcomed Essendon to the SCG. And, you know, it was a very tight first quarter. 5-4 to 5-2. Swans leading by two points. Um, but the Swans then got on a roll in the second. They kicked 10 goals in the second. Led by 48 at half time. Kicked another eight goals in the third quarter to the Bombers two. And then kicked 13 goals in the last quarter to win that match by 163 points. Jeez. Final score, 36 goals, 20, 236. My God. A point off the all-time score, I believe. To Essendon, 11 goals, 7.73. Wow. 
So they've won by a combined 290 points in these first two weeks. Kappa kicked nine goal, uh, six goals, three. Stephen Wright with five goals again. Barry Mitchell with 38 disposals. We move forward to round 18. Um, where they start the game red hot. Eight what? goals in the first. Where, who, where, where were they and who were they playing? The Tigers. That's the other thing. These three games were all at the SCG. Okay, just, three in a row. The quirk of the fixture had them playing three games at the SCG in a row. Beautiful. Richmond come to the SCG. Tommy Hafey's old team. Yep. Uh, Swan score eight goals to two in the first, eight goals to four in the second. They're leading by 56 at half time. Can they do it again? Uh, they score six goals to they six goals each in the third quarter, so scores level are yep. up by fifty six. They score nine goals in the last quarter. They finish on one hundred ninety eight. Oh. Thirty one goals, twelve one hundred ninety eight to fifteen goals, seventeen one hundred and seven to win by ninety one points. Massive three magical weeks there. Um, a total score of ninety seven goals, fifty three. Which is absolutely insane. <laughs> that is outrageous. In three weeks. Three weeks. So that had them clearly top of the ladder by the end of round 18. Their percentage was 145.7. At that end of the season, mm. is, that's outrageous. Yep. Uh, their form didn't last, however, and they, they lost three of their last four and only scraping home over the Lions in the final round. Yeah. So they've really peaked uh, in late July, early August. They got the game together. Yeah. Geelong are the only team that have come close to being able to win and score this high in consecutive yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the early nineties when they did some similar things, but yeah, absolutely incredible. They did. They almost did it. Um, maybe they weren't as big a wins, but remember in the run up to was it the twenty 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 when they beat the Dockers and the Suns and they smashed them. Yeah, and then what happened? They fell apart. They fell apart. Yeah, those wins don't teach anything. Yeah. Uh, so, well, there you go. Yes, let's move on. Big year from the, from the Swannies. So the Bobby Skilton medal in uh, 1987 went to Jared Healy for the second time in a row. Um, and the lead goal kicker was, of course, Warwick Kappa with 103. Yep. Getting over that ton mark in the in finals. finals. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that takes us up to second spot where we've got the Hawks. So 17 wins, 5 losses, 147%. So they've obviously been doing a very similar thing. Mm. So debutants include Tony Simmons, Paul Harding, Darren Pritchard, Andrew Con- Anthony Condon. But we can talk a little bit about Andy Collins as well. Yeah, we? love to. So Andy Collins was a tough, durable and highly skilled player who has the distinction of being the first player to wear the iconic number 5 Guernsey for the Hawks. First place uh, since, since Peter, since the late Peter yeah. Crimmins, sorry. which I think is a pretty big, yeah, massive. Thing. Brought brought the number out that, of retirement. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of, a lot uh, of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Collins started with their under 19s, graduating to the reserves before playing his first senior game in round four against Footscray in this year. He was originally recruited from Doncaster, Doncaster Heights, and he made the most of a second chance after being rejected by the Hawks early on in his career. Um, he crossed to the v- to VFA to play for Sandringham and then won a recall to Glen Ferry. He developed into a superbly courageous back pocket player. Excellent. So round one of the new season brought about a rematch of the 1986 grand final, Carlton versus Hawthorne. But on this day, the Hawks convincingly beat the Blues by 45 points. Jason Dunstall with six. They had a comprehensive win over the Tigers by 62. Buccanara kicking seven. They beat the Magpies by 77 um, before the Bulldogs gave them their first loss of the season. 
They had a fight-back win over the Lions, a road loss to the Swans. They smashed the Cats before obliterating the Bombers by 114 points at Waverley. Dermot Burton kicked six. Peter Schwab was on fire. Um, they accounted for the Saints by 56, the Roos by 22. A 95-point win over the Bears at Carrara that saw Dunstall kicking 11 goals, five, and Platten with wow. 34 disposals. They had another thriller against the Blues. The Hawks were down by 34 points 20 minutes into the third quarter. Sorry, 34 points 20 minutes into the second quarter, but the Hawks came back to win a thriller by a point. I might talk about this game a bit more next. They had, big win. They had another big win, this time by 125 points. No, that's the wrong team. <laughs> they... What am I trying to say? All right, they beat Tigers. They beat... Ah, they beat Collingwood by 125 points. Oh, round 16 at the Victoria Park, nonetheless. 125-point win over the Magpies. 25-18, 168 to 5-13, 43. I mean, this would be all that war at Collingwood, wouldn't it? Yeah. Dunster with six, Buccanaro with five, Curran and Morris with three each. That's a good. That's a good healthy win there. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and the, so they kicked nine goals in the last quarter, tipping the D's, the tipping the Hawks over the ton. Dunster with six, Bucky with five. I just said all this. Yeah. Richard Loveridge with forty disposals. Nice. They followed it up with another big scalp. This time the Dogs by ninety-seven points, and it was Russell Morris with the six goals. They finished the season with a ten-goal win over the Lions, a forty-five-point win over the Swans, and a hard-fought comeback win against the Cats down in Geelong. But. As we'll, I think we'll see a little bit more with Carlton next. There's some really big wins happening this year, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It's a, there's a huge gap between the top and the bottom, aren't there? And they're just putting these guys away. Yeah, and that's the same. That 125-point win over Collingwood was the same round with Sydney's 130-point win. Really? God, so yeah, they know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so this year, the Peter Crimmins medal went to Johnny Platten. In 87, and the lead goal kicker at Hawthorne, surprise, surprise, was Jason Dunstall with 94, Dermy with 64 just behind him. A uh, lot of avenues to goal in that Hawthorne forward line this Absolutely. year. Uh, so that takes us up to the top of the ladder where sit the mighty Blues with 18 wins, 4 losses, and 138%. All right. Some debutants include Peter Satori, Mark Naylor, Jamie Dunlop, Michael Gallagher. They lost in the first round to Hawthorne, but round two, Collingwood jumped Carlton early in the game at Victoria Park, and Carlton had to produce its fighting qualities to hold the Magpies out. But the Blues pounced with a 10 goal to one second quarter. In the main break, they doubled the score and Sus kicked four goals. Sorry, I did forget to mention who the captain and coach were of, of Carlton. Of course, um, it was a Captain Sticks Kernahan and uh, coached by Robert Walls. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. I, f- I did feel like I'd gone early as well. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I did that. And I think, yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Soss kicked another five goals and a win over the Dogs. And he was a bit of a swingman earlier in his career. Yeah. It's easy to forget that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, round four against the Eagles. An eight-goal opening quarter highlighted by four goals to the dominator, Wayne Johnson, and three to Kernahan. Blew Carlton out to an early lead. And a 10-goal final quarter in front of a fanatical home crowd at Princess Park propelled the Blues to an 87-point win over the Eagles. Their score of 97, sorry, 29-17-191 is their highest ever score against the Eagles. Wow. But I feel like this year, maybe, you know, the Eagles are down, the Blues are back up. Yeah. 
might be at risk. They had an easy win over the Bombers before a close loss to the Swans. Uh, and that was in round four, I think they lost to the Swans. Because following this game, a huge pool of sadness cast over the club. Because on the previous Thursday night, uh, Carlton's rising star Peter Motley was grievously injured in a head-on collision on his way home after training. Oh. So Peter's best mate, Craig Bradley, had spent most of the intervening time beside Peter's bed in hospital, made it onto the ground for the game, played a blinder to earn three votes in that game. Um, but yeah, obviously Peter Motley, Motley uh, son of Jeff Motley, I believe, Adelaide, absolute Hall of Famer. Yeah, okay. Um, and so he was on the up and up at Carlton. And then had this and terrible accident. Had this accident oh, and never no. played again. Yeah. That's awful. Very sad. Um, Carlton set up in their next victory by taking full advantage of the wind in the second and last quarters against Geelong. The Cats kicked 8-8 in their two quarters with the wind, while the Blues added 12-9 to run out 56-point winners. Michael Gallagher debuted on his 21st birthday, and former Blue Gavin Exer was best for Geelong with two goals. Also of note was Mill Hanna's return, first game back since round 1, 1986, when he did his knee. Oh, yeah. The Demons beat the Roos and Lions fairly easily. They beat the Blue Bears by over 100 and had a good win over the Demons. Um, against St Kilda, they snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. Seven points down with 31 minutes played in the final quarter. St Kilda looked home and hose and a rare win at Princes Park. But the Blues showed a toughness under pressure. It was Tommy Elvin with locks flowing in the blustery breeze <laughs> to die for a ball and take a mark, but he was unable to boot the goal to seal the victory. It was Mill Hanna who popped it through late to take the points in a desperate from a te- desperate St Kilda team. They beat the Tigers in a slow-scoring slog at the G. Then the Hawks picked them by a point in a cracker, but Oof. they're like, well, if we can get close to them, I mean, we can beat we these can, guys. We've got yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Wins over Collingwood, Footscray and Essendon by a point. Sydney, Geelong and Fitzroy rounded out the season before a great round 22 thriller against the Roos, which we have already talked about. Yes, we certainly have. Uh, so the John Nichols medal in 87 went to Stephen Kernahan for the first time. And... The lead goal kicker was Stephen Kernahan with 73 also. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, these guys up the top. It's going to be a very interesting finals it is. series, this one. Um, now, I'm going to talk quickly about the Brownlow medal, Charlie. Oh, please which do. Which was held on the 21st of September in 1987. And it was a, another drawn Brownlow medal. So, earning it this year was Tony Lockett and John Platten, mm-hmm. with winning it with 20 votes each in equal first place. Um, we had Paul Meldrum of Carlton and Brian Royal equal third on 15. Uh, Craig Bradley, Michael Tuck, Stephen Kernahan equal fifth. Greg Williams also equal fifth, I think, on 13, but he was ineligible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another drawn one. I believe Tony Lockett's the only last forward to win the round medal. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really happen. I mean, it helps that he kicks lots of goals. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really happen that a midfielder doesn't win it these days. No, well, it's, uh, it's almost impossible. Yeah. See that changing unless they change some kind of voting system or the rules. Or... Well, it's just like I mean, and you can kind of understand it. Is they're the guys that they're seeing the most with the ball. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah, it's a very hard, um, it's a very hard thing to change. How can yes, you? exactly. Um, this count was also the first one to use the theme from the Untouchables as the winners theme. You'll you'll hear it playing underneath us talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've always done that, but that's this is the first year that was used. It was actually used. Yeah, and it's still used today. Are we still in the uh, the area where they do, did the count back and there was only a single winner? Uh, no. No, we've moved out of that. So we've we? had draws. We had Bernie Quinlan and Barry Brown drawing in 1980. So there's been a few draws, but yeah. 
Yeah, we're about... No, no, the early 80s, they changed that rule. Yeah, they did. And so then they, I think in 89, they, they retrospectively all, award... Yes, all the yeah. ones from behind. Yeah. So this one, though, they did... Yeah. Aw- they awarded the two. Okay. Um, and that takes us to finals. It certainly does. So let's run, let's run through some of these finals, shall okay. we? Yeah. Uh, so f- first week of, of finals was the qualifying final, which was Hawthorne versus Sydney at VFL Park in front of 47,000... And uh, almost 48,000 people. Uh, massive game, this one, for a couple of reasons. Yep. All right. So, Tommy Hafey coaching his 500th yes. league game, becoming the third coach to reach that milestone after Jock McHale and his opponent that day, Alan Jeans. Yeah. Um, in this game, we talked about Warwick Kappa kicking over 100. That happened in this game. Yes. So, he so he gotten, had, was sitting on 99 at the end of the season yeah. and kicked four in this game. Yep. Uh, Tony Lockett had already kicked 100 for the year. Yeah. He also took that very famous mark over Chris Langford. Yes. Where if you ever hear him describe it, he's up there in the air, lying across Chris Chris Langford. He's yeah. up there for hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw it was. You, it was at least an hour, I think. You saw a yeah. few 747s drive past him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in this game, the Hawks led by a comfortable 27 points at halftime before a 14-goal 8-3-2 second half confirmed the superiority of the Brown and the Gold. The goals were spread among Dermot Burton with six, Bacchanara with five, Dunster with five. Bacchanara also had the most disposal with 32, just ahead of Robert DePierre, Domenico's 31. So a comprehensive win here by yeah. the Hawks over a underwhelming Sydney who yeah. had peaked too early. They had a 99-point win yeah. there from the Hawks. I mean, oh no, the Hawks did finish ahead. Yes. So they, they deserved the home final here. But still... Yeah, hard. And then we, the next day on the Sunday, we had the elimination final between North Melbourne and Melbourne to see who was going to keep on going at the G in front of 72,000 people. Now, an early loss for Melbourne was Brian Wilson, who was a late withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Big loss there, Brownlow Medalist, but was replaced by Russell Richards. While for North Melbourne, Jim Cracker was replaced by Sean Smith. 72,000 people showed up for this game at the MCG. Yeah. All those Melbourne fans out of the woodwork. Yeah, coming back after yep. years out of the game. Um, and any suggestions that the Demons had played their grand final in the last round were uh, absolutely wrong because <laughs> the Ds proceeded to destroy North Melbourne. Very even first half, uh, first quarter, 3-2 to 3-6, but after that was 19 goals to 2. And they won by 118 points. 180 points. But it's is still the largest winning margin in an elimination final. Yeah. Huge. What a boring opening week of finals. Yeah. Yeah. Although, be very happy if you were Hawthorne or Melbourne oh, yeah, supporter, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, the, but as all the neutrals, you want to see a good game. Yeah, absolutely. So into finals week two, we had the first semi-final between Sydney and Melbourne at the G, at the G in front of 80,000 people Which this time. Which technically should have been in Sydney. Sydney yeah, it absolutely higher. should have. Yeah. But, but it wasn't. No. And thank God for that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Melbourne Melbourne taking that one out again very convincingly. Well, so, yeah, so Demons got off to a flyer thanks to their skipper, Robbie Flower. Uh, he kicked two early goals, but despite this, the Swans took a five-point lead into quarter time. Uh, Sydney hadn't won a final. Well, the Swans hadn't won a final since 1945 and had been smashed by the Hawks the week before. So they had a huge expectation on them, but couldn't withstand the rampaging demons in the second term. The D's 8-9 beat their own record for a second quarter in a semi-final set in 1946. By halftime, the visitors were 31 points behind, and by three-quarter time, that margin was out to 10 goals. Mm-hmm. Once again, Robbie Flower ran off the ground near the end of the match to rapturous applause. 
Northern his team were trying to keep a lid on the mania surrounding the side, but supporters had well and truly torn the lid off. Yeah. Crowding the change rooms after the match to sing endless repeats of Robbie Flower walks on water. <laughs> so they won by 76 points. Yeah. Yeah, big win this. Yeah, 10-13-73 to Melbourne's 21-23-149. Yeah. Massive. And then the next game was the... Uh, the second semi between Carlton and Hawthorne to see who got a straight walk into the granny. Yeah, so despite having more scoring shots in the first half, Carlton seemed in deep trouble when Hawthorne kicked three quick goals to lead by 33 points at the 10-minute mark of the third term. But from that point on, the game changed. Carlton's work rate lifted as the Hawks began to, fire, Hawks began to tire. The Blues' accuracy in front of goal returned and they surged to within nine points of the Hawks at three-quarter time. During this quarter, Hawks full forward Jason Dunstall succumbed to an ankle injury that ended his season. The Blues overran their tiring nemesis in the last term to record a telling 15-point victory, and this sent them through to the grand final and a fortnight off. Mm. So then on to the prelim. The infamous The infamous prelim. preliminary final. Do you want me to just do this and you can just go out and cry? Oh, my God. At VFL Park in front of 71,000 people, we had Hawthorne, versus Melbourne to see who was going to come up against the Blues in that granny. Yeah, and the Ds were absolutely riding this momentum train. Absolutely. Everyone was on them. Um, although kicking against the wind, it was Hawthorne who controlled most of the play early in the game until the Demons took the lead. The lead for most of the many final frantic minutes of the game was the Demons. They, mm-hmm. they had this game. And if you've ever watched this, I've, I've only seen the last like minute or two. Yeah. The ball is in the demon, like deep in the demon's forward line, and they just can't get it over the line. They can't, they can't get a goal. Um, and Hawthorne, with must be ten seconds left, race the ball down the field. Gary Buckenara marks just before the siren, and gets a fifteen metre penalty because Jim Steins goes over the mark. Yeah, so it brings him fifteen metres closer. Yeah, because he was about. They say about 55 out. Yeah. So just couldn't still gettable, it. Still gettable. Yeah, but probably not. Yeah, right? down to 40 metres out. Makes it a far more gettable kick. Kicks the goal after the siren. Hawks win by two points. Demons are shattered. And Jim Stein makes Jim Stein's the man he is. Yeah, good point. There's that, so, great, that great photo of um, John Northey like, yelling at Jim Stein's because he was in his first year. Yeah. Playing game, what, 18 or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, has come from across the other side of the world, so yeah. probably still doesn't know all the nuances of the game. No, exactly. Easy mistake to make, but God, de- yeah, just devastating. You just when the siren went, Melbourne supporters would have been there. Would have been a bit of tension, but you would have thought we're probably okay here, because the long kick probably can't. You know, was your dad there? I haven't spoken to him about it. Ask After, him. I will. Ask I'll ask him. So yeah. Infamous prelim that one. Jeez, lots ha- lots happening in '87. Great is, year of footy. Absolutely great year of footy. Um, so that does take us on to the grand final. Unfortunately, Melbourne just couldn't get there for Robbie. Um, and the grand final was between Carlton and Hawthorne. These rivals. The second consecutive grand final involving Carlton. Yeah, Hawthorne, actually. So in, Carlton in front of ninety-two thousand people at the MCG. So Carlton are chasing a league record 15 premierships, while Hawthorne are chasing their seventh and aiming for their first set of back-to-back flags. They've never won back-to-back. No. Um, but let us chat to the captain, Charlie. Let us, uh, let's do let's, it. Let's call up Stephen Conahan. Yeah, easy. He, I mean, he's still around. His dulcet, deep vocal cords. Yeah.
Well, Steve, the pendulum certainly swung a lot different feelings this year than last. Yeah, the pendulum swung and, uh, you know, we put a lot of work into it from 12 months ago. We uh, copped the bagging in the press and uh, all year, which is sort of a, some small incentive for us to go on. Uh, you know, Carlton can't handle the pressure and I think we applied a bit of pressure today and uh, came out on top. Now you nearly threw it away a little bit in that first, um, the first part. Uh, you had all the play in the first 20 minutes. You must, be, you must have been amazed at the time when John Kennedy kicked that goal after the siren. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really not disheartening, but nearly. Uh, you know, to play, I thought we played, opened up really well. We were at the ball, we were aggressive, uh, putting a lot of pressure on it. We, we had all that play, but all of a sudden, you know, the siren goes a quarter time, we're down by a couple of points. I thought, well, geez, what do you have to do against this mob? But, uh, you know, in, especially in conditions like that, when it was as hot as it was, you just had to persevere and... Uh, I think your legs late in that last quarter really shone through. Now the moves of David Rhys-Jones onto Dermy and uh, David Glasgow into Johnny Platten were match winning. When was that all formulated in the team plan? Oh well we, we just thought we'd try something different uh, just to see if we could throw Hawthorne a bit off guard early in the game and then uh, you know when they come off it's uh, you know it's always a match winning move but I mean geez Rhys he's uh, Hadn't played centre back before on a, on a bloke who's you know as dangerous as Brent. Uh, you know it's a great effort. And, uh, you know we we just attacked today. We took a punt on that, and I think that's the way we played it. You mentioned how hot it was out there. Did you sense that the Hawks were tiring halfway through the third quarter? Yeah, I, I didn't really. It was really funny with that breeze. One minute you're kicking with the breeze in the third minute quarter. One minute you're kicking against it. And I thought I just wasn't sure whether uh, what way we'd be going. Whether we'd be kicking with it in the last quarter. I wasn't sure if three goals would be enough. But uh, you know, I, I think when I sensed our tiring was just that first five minutes of the last quarter when the Glasgow's, the Gleasons ran the ball out the middle. I thought, well, you know, I think we've got them here. So. And that long goal of yours must have heartened everyone. Oh, well, nice to go through. <laughs> It's a nice change of fortune for you, Stephen. You uh, you played in some losing teams in Adelaide. That's right. I, I played in uh, I played three grand finals back home. I uh, reserves one when I was young, and uh, two league grand finals and a preliminary final we lost in four years before I finally won one. So uh, I was beginning to think whether you know when I come over last year, I thought don't tell me it's going to take another four losers to get another one. But as I said, it, you know all's well in the end. And a double for the club as well, the reserves winning two. Has the club seen a better day than this? Well, you know, for the reserves to get up, the reserves have done it from, uh, from the elimination final, which I don't think has ever been done before. So certainly makes it a great, great day for the club. And uh, as I said, especially after last year, when it was a real downer and we've had to put up with 12 months of, uh, you know, we're trying to get up and winning a grand final again, it's extra special to win both grades. How long are you going to take to come down from this? Because I think you've got an overseas campaign coming up. I don't know how we make London. Just, uh, if they can find out the blokes, we'll make the field. But uh, I'd have seen the other 19s or something. Now, you talked a bit about surprising Hawthorne. I think the move of uh, John Dorotich to full forward surprised a lot of people, including the Hawks. I think it did. As I said, we took a punt on a few things today. And, uh, you know, Dora, it, I think both back lines were on top all day. And I suppose it was just one of those days where uh, we wanted Dora up there because he's big and strong to contest, get the ball to ground, and, uh, you know, our, our little place, you know, hopefully pick up the crumbs. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it worked out well. And, uh, as I said, it was a bit different and it throws Hawthorne out a little bit because they had to make a few changes at the start of the game there. 
the only move that I think everyone predicted was Chris Langford playing on yourself. Well, Ian Langford, uh, he played bloody well again today. Langford, he's, uh, he's quick and he's, uh, you know, he's as tall as me and uh, twice as wide. He's a damn good player for him. Uh, at least the tables were turned in the result today, though. And you played a great game yourself. Well done and enjoy yourself tonight. We'll enjoy it, too. Thanks, Ken. chat to Stephen, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah, always good to hear that voice. Now, something else to note, the under-19s grand final, in which North Melbourne defeated Richmond, 94-89, to ended in controversy. Yeah, okay. When the final siren was alleged to have been blown early, the timekeeper who was an independent of the clubs was alleged to have blown the siren after only two minutes of time on, but there had been five goals kicked in the final quarter, which would usually have been extended to result, as a result in four or five minutes of time on. Mm-hmm. Richmond lodged a complaint against the timekeeper, but did not protest the result or seek a replay of the match. Okay. So they've said, that's not fair, but we're not going to do anything yeah, about it. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, and let me... Oh, I've got my things open here. Let's see who else won the reserves. And then we can wrap this baby up. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, 1987, which has been the, long, the longest... Uh, we've, recorded long we've recorded for a while. We yeah. have been recording for a while. All right. So... Oh, the reserves... Looking for the reserves yeah, premiership. Have you got it there? Yep. yep. It was won by Carlton. Okay. 18-17, uh, 125, defeating St Kilda, 15-15. Uh, it was held as a curtain raiser to the seniors. Well, the Saints made the uh, grand final in They reserves. certainly did. Nice work, St Kilda. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's wrap everything else. So the high score of the season, and there were some big ones. Yeah, weren't there? But it was Sydney's 26 goals, 2,236. Massive. Most behinds, Bruce Lindner of Geelong with 58. My retrospective rookie of the year. Yep. Chris Lewis of the West Coast Eagles. Okay. Just pipping Stuart Lowe from St Kilda and Michael Gale of Fitzroy. God. Mark of the year went to Warwick Kappa using uh, yep. Chris Langford as a stepladder. <laughs> yep. Goal of the year was David Murphy, also of St Kilda. Um, and who are our other winners? Who is our wooden spooner? Uh, our wooden spooner this year was... Oh, remind I think me. it was Richmond. It was Richmond. With five wins. Wooden spooner, yeah, unbelievable. Behind those brizzy bears. Yep. Um, yes. Uh, who is our Coleman medal? Our Coleman medalist was Tony Lockett. Tony Lockett. With a, where a hundred and... He ended on 117 after finals. They didn't make Saints didn't make finals. Of course, he's not Saint with Sydney. Saint Kilda making finals. In yeah, the yeah. so 117, not bad. Yeah. Premiers. Premiers were those mighty Blues. The blues and the Norm Smith Medal. And the Norm Smith Medal went to David Rhys Jones. David Rhys Jones for his uh, his great play, mostly on Dermot Burton as well. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that all? That's everything. Okay, here's our our Premiership tally as of 1987. Carlton on 15. Essendon on 14, Collingwood on 13, Melbourne on 12, Richmond on 10, Fitzroy 8, Mel- uh, Geelong 6, Hawthorne 6, South Melbourne 3, North Melbourne 2, Footscray 1, St Kilda 1, Brisbane and West Coast 0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when, when, uh, when Brisbane Bears become the Lions, do they does their tally climb back up to include Fitzroy's? Premierships. Yep. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it all depends how you... There's an official ruling from the AFL on that. I've got the documentation from... Really? Hodgson, yeah. Like I've got the correspondence about that. It was a, an interesting back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, is it a, it's, it's a not club? technically a merger, is yeah. it? Well, yes and no. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna award the uh, the McCracken Name Award here as well. So I haven't got my list. I've, got, I've just got a great name. Collingwood's Athos Hirasulakis. Yeah, great. Great. I'm yes, behind sir. you on that. Thank you. I'm happy for you to make an executive decision Thank there. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, we didn't do Coles goals. Coles goals was Hawthorne, 411. Yeah, most, most that makes sense. Season. Yeah, I think that's everything, Charlie. That's everything. That's 87 wrapped up. I think that is. Can you believe it? And it's unbelievable to think, Dibby, that because of this round zero in 2024, we probably don't have that many much time to get any many more years in. Well, we don't we because we've got, to, we've got to do our preview. So, I mean, we're going to have to leave it here at 1987 until oh the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and then come back to 87. But I mean, that's, I mean, 88, and that's a way for us to slow down. Yeah, it's good to, good to get 87 done. Yeah, sure. I know. I've been sitting there for months. Yeah. Sorry about that. But I'm looking forward to, uh, looking forward to previewing the 2024 season. It's always an exciting time yeah, before we'll anything happens. Give our ridiculous ladder yep, prediction. Yep, let's do it. All the things that we think are yeah. going to happen. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about how we get, we base it on history. It's not our actual opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we want to give our actual opinion as well? No, nah, okay. I don't because okay. I'll be wrong. <laughs> I'll be even worse. All right, well, Beautiful. until then. Hooroo! To find out more about the Kick to Kick team and the sources we use, visit our website, www.kicktokickpodcast.com. You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kicktokickpod. Thanks so much for listening.